Hey, welcome to my basement, everybody. I have got a couple of very cool guests for you today. Seth Fulkerson, who has created something incredibly original and audisorly from Limited Run Games and also Digital Foundry. You might know him from Digital Foundry. They have both joined me today to talk about Arzette, the Jewel of Faramore. And this is a spiritual sequel or successor to the CDI Legend of Zelda games that nobody talks about anymore, <laughs> that have, a, have a, a bit of a stink on them. But Seth, you saw something beautiful in those classic games and decided to veer back into that territory. Why? <laughs> well, uh, why, why not, right? <laughs> no. Um... Yeah, like you said, um, I think that the general gameplay loop of those games and the art style and the sometimes silly cutscenes, I think they're inherently, yep. uh, I think they have a lot of inherent potential. So really wanted to lock onto that and just sort of explore that potential. Now, you, did you play those original? You would have been so young when those things came out. How did yes, you come I, I... to find them? <laughs> I have or were you them. even alive then? Were you were you born <laughs> when they were originally I was, released? I was one year old. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but um. Oh yeah. no. <laughs> Audie's six years older than me. Just just, just get that out of the way. Uh, anyway. Um. So yeah, I was introduced to the games the same way a lot of other people were. The the memes, the video remixes, all that kind of stuff. But I have like a soft spot for sort of like bad underloved games. So yes. you know, I wanted to kind of like look more into why they were like that. Why do they look like that? And um, yeah, I found the story behind them really like inspiring, you know, like sort of the limitations they had to go through to, to make the game even work on that console. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I just, I eventually just got into seeing them for kind of what they were and not what everybody else was seeing them for, I guess. And uh, yep. just, yeah, that's just sort of how I got really into them, I guess you could say. Well, I got to tell you, like, I, I was very much alive when, when the CDI <laughs> came up. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I was getting kind of back into games in a huge way because I'd gone to uh, high school and university and got into acting and stuff. But the uh, um, games started to pull me right back in. So I had the NES and the Genesis and the Super Nintendo. And uh, I, back then it was like, that's so expensive. I mean, it looked cool, this CDI thing and this new technology, but who's got money for that? And I felt similarly about the 3DO, which I eventually did get, but right. the CDI just seemed like a great idea at, at an exorbitant price and just right. out of reach for me as a as a game fan. Audi, you guys are at limited run, and I think also with your you know historical analysis of Digital Foundry, you're really digging into games that you know, have a reputation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for the Zelda games, so I was, when they came out, I was 10, 11 years old, and I remember seeing them at like, so I'm from Europe, but they had these display cases of like the expensive consoles, like the 3DO, the CDI, uh, these kind of like, they were very much promoted as the uh, Neo Geo. High, yeah, kind of similar to Neo Geo, where it was like yeah. the high end consoles. And I always mm -hmm. found them fascinating. I always loved experimentation in video gaming, still do. And mm -hmm. I remember they had like the CDI Zelda games there. And I was just like, man, like they talk, they animate, like how, yeah. how are they doing this? Uh, and I was very intrigued by them. And 
yeah, to Seth's point, you know, they they do have a reputation for sure. But as I play them, uh, I've always tried to look at the more interesting aspects of game development, uh, old and new. And there is yep. a lot of interesting kind of, despite the limitations, the hand-painted backgrounds, the animations, as well yep. as just kind of the uh, progression methods that the game uses, the mechanics of that. Uh, you can see that fundamentally, there's a lot to the game that works at the core, but yeah. it's just the technical aspects <laughs> of the CDI makes it completely impossible uh, yeah. to actually uh, perform what they're trying to do, which, uh, you know, it's not the fault of the developer necessarily. Yeah, it's and it's too reductive to, um, you know, just paint the picture that people set out to make crap games, you know, oh, like, yeah, yeah, and, exactly. and we all yeah. know this and and. I, you, I I hadn't ever played those games, but right. in preparation for this conversation today, I did watch a bunch of video on those classic games. And the one thing that definitely <laughs> stood out for me, and I think this is what you guys are really leaning into with RZ, is the uh, the animated cut sequences are yeah. crazy and very unique. They remind me a little bit of the, uh, uh, what is the Frank Bakshi, Lord of the yeah. Rings? Ra the, Ra the oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, Ra a little bit of that. Yes. Yeah. Is that there's, kind of what they were going for, do you think? I think there's an element of that. I think rotoscoping has been the method of animation since, you know, the 30s and 40s to save um, money, basically. It is a cheaper form of animation. Mm. So yeah. I think that's kind of one of the reasons. And it creates this very otherworldly effect. Like you mentioned Ralph Bakshi, which is a really good comparison, yeah. uh, where yeah, those animations in the original Zelda CDI games are very noted for being somewhat sinister and weird. Because <laughs> yeah. there is, like, there's a sense of, like, realism to the way they move and act, but everything they do is surreal and just, like, unlike Hyper anything. accentuated. Yeah. yeah. And, the, exactly. and the camera's moving, which makes it, in it does out. look, it looks cool. Like, when yeah, I was yeah. watching, I was like, wow, this is gutsy, you know? it's it, yeah. They went for something, which is cool. And right. that's actually one of the things for the CDI that people don't note so much. And this is not going to be the CDI apology tour, I promise. Uh, yeah. But, you know, well, I, I always had a fascination <laughs> of that console. And one of the things that I can do better than even sometimes the PlayStation is video playback. Mm. Um, and forms of video playback, it had different methods. And, you know, these are bitmap graphics uh, that are being projected on screen, transparent ones, um, which they look super crisp and clean. They scale up perfectly today. If you use something like a retro tank, um, you know, they just look, there's very little artifacting. There's very little noise on a CDI video picture, especially That's if great. they have that cartridge. So, yeah. that, you know, they did utilize something there that uh, should we have ported the game to another console, it probably wouldn't have looked as good, I guess, if that's yeah. the word you can use. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't have looked as crisp, Seth. Yeah. How, how did you even play these freaking games then? I mean, you were one. <laughs> I assume your parents didn't give you one of these things for your no, first birthday. No. It was <laughs> a lot later. No, no, Victor, no. Victor doesn't even know yet. Tell him, Seth. <laughs> Tell him what you did. What I did? Well, no, yeah. I know you did the remastered. Yeah. But okay, I, I know you did that. But how did you play the originals? How did you even get the like? Why? <laughs> why did you play? And and how did you play them? Well. 
I did uh, a long time ago. I did try emulating them, but as anyone who's aware of uh, CDI emulation, uh, it didn't go very well. So I guess right. it's not this very is, popular or something. Yeah, I don't this is one of those cases where yeah, right. This is one of those cases where you you gotta suck it up and you gotta you gotta buy a CDI if you wanna if you wanna play it. So and those are not cheap uh, not anymore. No. Uh, not anymore. Yeah. When yeah. Uh, so when I first had the idea to make the fan made remasters, uh, you know, I was like, well, I, I have to actually like really play through these. So mm-hmm. uh, back then, uh, I was able to get a imported CDI player for like one hundred and fifty, one hundred and sixty dollars. It wasn't that expensive okay. back then. Okay. So okay, uh, that's how I was able to first play them. And ever since, so then, when I've when was that? CDI. When was uh, that? Was like twenty sixteen, twenty fifteen. So. Okay, and that was your first inclination, and and did you watch some YouTube videos? And you went, oh, oh yeah, these, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I had watched and, YouTube videos before, but that's the first time I got to actually play them and be like, oh, <laughs> I get it. You know, like the again, the, the the ideas are there. They're very, it's very apparent to see what they were going for, right? Uh, but like, especially, I didn't have the uh, I didn't have the gamepad back then. There's a special gamepad for the CDI for those that aren't aware. Okay. Um, that let that looks kind of like a Genesis controller. Um, I didn't use that. I used what looked like a TV remote to play. And uh, <laughs> and and uh, if anyone has tried to do that, it doesn't work. So, oh, uh, poor yeah. poor man. <laughs> Again, it's it's the uh, it's the technical limitations of the, of the system that really held the games back. I think more than anything else. Uh, I mean, there's. Yeah. Obviously, if you look into the story of the development, they weren't given a lot of time. They weren't given a lot of money, uh, and they had to make it work on this. Nor support from Nintendo, other than they had the license, right? Like Nintendo didn't have anything to do with these games. No, they just they looked at them and said, "Yeah, it looks good," and uh, and that's. uh, I I don't think they even looked. I don't think they looked at them. And can you imagine today (laughs) a company? You know, Philips is a was conglomerate at the time they still are big but oh yeah can you imagine being in a situation where because of a fallout it's like okay you have this one-time usage of our ips even by 1991 i mean mario and zelda were household names and they squandered it like yeah how why didn't they put like i would have looked at that and just be like ah yeah let's give them you know several million dollars and just like develop something amazing for it i think they just wanted to move on i think they just wanted to move past it <laughs> yeah I, I mean if they if there was no partnership there to be had for sure the question i have is why would nintendo not just pay them out of that you know like i i like nobody could make a fantastic four movie without marvel and disney Right. Even if there were like previous rights attached to something, Marvel and Disney would stop that. And I don't think a Nintendo right. of today would honor a, a past partnership to create anything if it was going to make one of their IP look bad. I think right. there's probably yeah. documentation on this, but I think it was something where because of the way they pulled out of that deal so immediately and then went yeah. to Sony, which also ended on <laughs> rather yeah. bad terms, it was like... I think Philips probably wanted to retain whatever they could and make use of it for their CDI. You know, the CDI came out and it was much more of an entertainment hub than it was a gaming console. The gaming yes. situation with CDI was secondary and something that kind of fell So into. it was like an Xbox One. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it yeah. repeats itself there. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but yeah, and every, 
you know, one of the reasons why CDI software is so generally, uh, let's say, complicated is that the system can only run things in software. There is no hardware in that system to help mm. something like sprites, uh, tiles. Um, it just everything runs in software. And oh, that's that crazy. For, and was uh, it streaming all off of the CD or did it load in a memory? Yeah. Wow. So, and that's why you have like a RAM digital cartridge that came out later, which okay. sometimes has an effect on games that they run slightly better. Uh, some can't be played without it. Uh, but you can just imagine that you release you know, a 32-bit system <laughs> that runs completely in software circa 1992. Uh, yeah. You're not going to get very far with it. Mm-hmm. You're you're going to get Hotel Mario, and I think that's basically where you're going to land. That's crazy. You know what? I, I would imagine that many of our listeners and viewers don't know exactly what the hell we're talking about here with Nintendo yeah. and Philips <laughs> and Sony. Uh, do you want to take a crack at it? What 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 yeah. went down right around that time? So during the development of Super Nintendo, or rather after the development of it, there was an expansion port on it, which was going to turn into a CD system, much like mm-hmm. the Mega CD slash Sega CD. Sorry, I'm European, so I used the <laughs> Mega moniker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, Nintendo is very much going to compete on that uh, level doing CD-based software. Uh, games like Secret of Mana was developed for that specifically and then ported back to cartridge when this fell out. And their partner for this was Philips, uh, who had been instrumental in doing the CD um, technology. They were one of the pioneers of it. Um, for what With Sony. Reason, uh, with Sony. They, right. Yeah. And uh, for whatever reason here, there was a kind of last minute decision from Nintendo to uh, go with Sony uh, and do what was then called the Super Nintendo PlayStation, uh, which there is prototypes of it out there. I think now someone has one that goes to conventions. I didn't get to see it at some point, Uh, but this was also canceled and then turned into the actual PlayStation, uh, which came to bite Nintendo pretty hard in the backside. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's basically the gist of it was that Nintendo Philips had an official agreement to do a CD peripheral for the Super Nintendo. And Nintendo uh, at the time were pre cutthroat and did things uh, very much uh, to the beat of their own drum. So yeah. they pulled out of that deal uh, without Sony, re- if, without Philips, sorry, really understanding or knowing what was going on. Do you think the Sony, I mean, this is all conjecture, but do you think that the Sony and Nintendo being in Japan had something to do with it? Could very much be. Uh, And Sony also at the time, you know, Sony had different divisions. I think there was more lucrative opportunities with Sony. Right, right. Uh, Something that, you know, when the PlayStation came out, especially in Japan, uh, John Lemon and I did an episode about the launch of PlayStation across all regions. Yep. And during that research, you know, it was very adamant, uh, adamant, very uh, apparent, sorry, that um, the connection Sony had to the world of music via Sony PGM yep. and things like this really yep. made a huge impact on how PlayStation were, was perceived. Dude, uh, which... Michael Jackson was at the Sony E3 party in 1995. Right. You know, I was 10, 10 feet away from him walking down the... <laughs> It was wow. surreal, and Sony had Hollywood. I mean, we we that party was at the Sony Pictures Studio right. lot, and and like every party that they would have at E3 would be like Foo Fighters or whatever. 
Beck wow. one year. It was always just this connection to the clout that they had always you know yeah all phillips had was the cdi bus there was a touring bus <laughs> in netherlands that you could play cdi on oh, uh, michael jackson be on was not CDI on that bus, bus as far as i know <laughs> oh. uh unfortunately uh, yeah. but um yeah there, i think there was probably stuff like that uh, as well as just business business reasons why this all yeah. fell out yeah uh, but the result of that was as we mentioned earlier uh phillips had um some agreement there that they could make use of Mario and Zelda. I think Donkey Kong as well was on that list, but yeah, no game. Wild. Was yeah. there a time uh, limit was, attached to that? Did they have probably? Like, was it, yeah, so that's yeah. probably the that, limitation that's there. there, and that's going to speak to the quality of the software mm -hmm. too. Oh right? yeah, that the devs didn't have the time. Yeah, there, I mean, there is that Mario game that never came out, but the prototype exists, which is uh, Mario's Wacky World, which was going to be a <laughs> sequel to Super Mario World on the CDI. Wow. Um, it didn't it look... doesn't play great, mm -mm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it exists, much like everything else on the CDI. Yeah. So It exists, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, that that's what it's I there. love about the CDI, is that it exists. It exists. You know, we have and, to look you know at what? the There's... positives. There's some parallels with 3DO as well, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And it oh, yes. definitely and feels Jaguar. like and Jaguar. Yeah, it, fe it feels like without all of these attempts, we yeah. don't get the PlayStation. No, you know, with, without not. everybody kind of trailblazing and kind of proving it out, and then Sony has all of this anecdotal evidence that they can point to to their their stakeholders and investors. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's possible. We just yeah. need to iterate and clean it up and and come out there and 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 do it and and right up to the launch of PlayStation One, there was so much infighting with the U.S. division and the Japanese division. Oh, yeah. pricing it was it was not. I mean, I, in Canada and Vancouver, it was really hard to get any software when the PlayStation mm. One launched. It wasn't mm. and and peripherals and stuff. We had to drive into the U.S. to go and buy some launch games and stuff like that. It was not right. just a clean. Sony takes over the world thing. Oh, it was no, a no. very difficult deal. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a bit revisionist on that part in terms of like Saturn and PlayStation, the pricing at E3, uh, yeah. all that kind of like. But yeah, it wasn't as clean of a release for PlayStation. And before PlayStation even came out, I mean, even like people like Nintendo and whatnot were kept saying they're not a game company so they won't succeed and i remember hearing this kind of from school ground kids and it, like this was like, like right, kind of like right. a thing where like now sony's not gonna they're not gonna do they're not that gonna do been what all they want to do console war bs in the magazines yeah all the interviews all the interviews <laughs> all that stuff so yeah. oh, why are we here again are we here to talk about a game or something? Um, <laughs> well, so, it's all part of the discussion yeah. here, though, right? Like it led yeah, us to yeah. uh, uh, led us the to Nintendo pub. Yeah, Nintendo's <laughs> publishing on CD, which it took them a long time to get, or not Nintendo, but Nintendo's properties being published on CD it yeah, took them a yeah. long time for Nintendo to circle back to that medium. You know, yeah, they yeah they kept. I mean, until the GameCube, right? So yeah. Uh, that, and even then, they couldn't just do it straight. They had to do the mini uh, DVDs, like a proprietary <laughs> mini <laughs> yeah. DVD. Yeah. Uh, so they, yeah, they they went out uh, uh, struggling uh, with that stuff. Totally. And, um, but yeah, um, that era is so interesting to me because, as I mentioned earlier, like experimentation in video games is like my favorite thing, and 
uh, maybe you played it, but the game Another World or Out of This World in the US. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was like my reason of becoming a game developer and working in any video games because it's just so like otherworldly right. and different. And it just right. took me off my feet when I was young. And when I look at things like even the Jaguar to a certain extent, but like 3DO, CDI, uh, they were trying so many new cool things yeah, within totally. FMVs, within just uh, the data streaming, as you mentioned, like audio streaming. Um, the Need for Speed on 3DO had like those huge levels, if you remember. It was amazing. Uh, yeah, it was incredible at the time. You don't get that so much anymore. It's a little bit more streamlined, I guess. Yeah, yeah because well, it, it, there's so use... many people involved, and everybody's got the same engine, and it's yeah, all it's all unreal, of... a unity. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you yeah. kind of come from the same DNA, so uh, it's something where you know. The games that I've been working on, I've been fortunate enough that I could kind of work on smaller indie games yeah. uh, and do some experimentation. And yeah, that was kind of one of the reasons, especially that when Seth and I started talking, that like, this is a game I really want to work on. That's, um, very, that's so awesome. Yeah, Seth, yeah. let's go back a little bit here. Okay. So you sure, played yeah. the games and, and mm-hmm. had you already been making other games like uh, as an indie developer? Oh, uh, yeah. What, what, was mean, your, what was your vantage point there? So I had been making like smaller projects for like a long time, you know, like most indie devs will tell you, like, you know, you make like dozens of tiny crap games, I guess you could say, just to sort of like figure out what you're doing. Yeah. And um, go to game jams and stuff like that. Right. So what I um, one of the sort of like inspirations for the project was, well, I want to do something like a little like the fan made remaster project. I want to do something like a little more you know ambitious i guess you could say sure and um i you know and like a lot of other creatives i had problems finishing things uh, and you know uh my friends we, we had sort of been talking about well around the time that i was thinking about doing this uh nintendo was releasing a lot of those hd remasters of uh, games sure. right so yeah. the joke was well what if one of those existed for <laughs> the others the other zelda games that nobody talks about and so it sort of like was a very opportune like hmm i bet i could do this uh it was a lot harder than i thought it was going to be (laughs) as with most projects uh you know uh, with all game development it's uh but yeah uh, eventually a few years later i started cranking through it and uh you know i i released them (laughs) i thought a dozen of my friends would think they were funny uh but no uh, apparently a lot of people were very interested in these games still uh it was not just was not as niche as i thought it was Uh, well i mean it's it's these are the biggest brands in gaming and it's such an interesting corner of the mythology around these brands right i i would imagine that even if people weren't familiar with them they wanted to be right and that's that's, That's got to be what, part of yeah. the impetus for for this Arzette coming out as well, right? I mean, there's a there's yes, a tie to absolutely. all that. So, but yeah, let yeah. me ask: What did your colleagues and friends and and contemporaries think of your idea to remaster CDI games? Oh, as any as any good friend would tell you, they'd be like, "You're crazy. What's wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> but no, they they were like, "Well, that that would be cool if you did that." And so I was like, mm, "I bet it would be pretty neat." You know, if you take the if you take the games, but like sort of, you know, remake them and make them like more playable and everything, uh, but put still in the fun, keep... right? A, a little, yeah. a little more fun. Yeah. Uh, but so that was that project, and I then that was part of it was proving to myself that yeah, I could I could make a game like of this like 
kind of scope. So what did you do? Let's talk remaster here for a second. But what did you do with the sure. animated cut sequences and everything? Did you did you yourself redo those or how did you do them? So all of the assets for those games had already been sort of like taken out of the games, ripped by the community a long time ago. That was one of the oh, okay. reasons what made it sort of viable was that I could sort of like reverse engineer. I, it wasn't as difficult to reverse engineer everything. I just sort of had to uh, program it all together and sort of design it around a little bit uh, out of the existing uh, assets. But like the cutscenes, uh, I actually did it the same way that they did it in the original games, which is they're mm -hmm. just transparent bitmaps that play back <laughs> synced with audio. I mean, that's what they did on the CDI. And uh, I remade the games in Game Maker. And back then, there wasn't any video playback in Game Maker. So it, it did have to basically be giant sprites that talked back to you, just kind of like what they did on the CDI. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. It was a lot and of work. So <laughs> <laughs> while, while you were doing that, was that mm -hmm. when you had the idea for RZ or did you have a bit of time and reflect on that and went, well, this is a cool way to, to come out with something that's going to register in this this very noisy world of games that we have now? Honestly, sort of sort of a little bit of both. Um, I had sort mm -hmm. of always kicked that idea around of doing a game like those games because mm -hmm. a lot of my friends are that are working on the game with me. They are professional artists and animators, and they have the same sort of weird love for these games that I do. And yeah. so, you know, sometimes we talked and be like, you know, I would love to make cutscenes like that. Or, you know, I would love to try to do something like that. So it's always something that I like kicked around. But then especially after the remasters came out and people seemed to be very like receptive. And I was like, okay. Um, I'm going to do this. <laughs> like, you know, like I, the idea is there. I, I know what I want to do. I've got uh, people that want to help me make it. And then I sort of was like, hey, uh, I'm, I'm going to make a spiritual successor to these games. And I, I announced awesome. it to the world. And that's where Audi comes in. <laughs> <laughs> and Audi, had you played the remasters of the CDI games? Were you familiar with what Seth had been doing? Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of via Digital Foundry. Uh, this was before I joined Limited Run as the official employee. Mm -hmm. And I was working for another game developer at the time as a day job. Um, but when he released those remasters, I got... Because at DF, I was very well, very well known for being like the CDI guy. Mm -hmm. I collect oh, CDI okay. games <laughs> and uh, just have a general love for underappreciated games or bad games as other people say for some reason hey, and <laughs> uh, people had started like adding me at twitter and stuff saying like hey you need to check this out there's someone who <laughs> remade the zelda cdi games and actually this happens quite often that like someone has a kind of vertical slice of something or have done a game uh, remade it and generally what i always find is that the person has kind of captured an element, but the full package isn't quite there. So maybe right. like the game looks exactly like it used to, but the physics are off when you control it. Uh, maybe it plays better, but all the aesthetics of it is kind of off because they had to remake the graphics, something like that. So I kind of held off on playing them thinking, I don't know if people understood the kind of allure of the CDI game. So I'll wait till next week to check them out. And so John and I fired him up like a week later 
and we couldn't believe it because here was <laughs> not only to Steph's credit, you know, it was like not only were these remastered in the sense that now they ran at 60 frames per second, they uh, controlled better, um, they were much more accessible, but he had also included a mode to replicate the actual performance of the oh, CDI. Jesus, that's fantastic. So we were like, so not only is did it? he kind of understand it is. how to better the elements, <laughs> yeah. but he also understood why the how they operated in their well, that, least. <laughs> that's so point. important, isn't yeah. it? I mean, if we're talking about preservation and going yeah. back and looking at these classic things, right. you need to access the classic stuff, even yeah. if it's not how you play it. You need to see it and future generations need to know it. You know, why yeah. bother doing this work if that that's right. not available, right? Yeah. No, I think that's amazing. And this is something that frustrated me a lot during like the PlayStation 2 era when we got all these compilations. It was like huge lists of games, but they were always emulated poorly, blurry, yeah, uh, stretched. It was like, man, you're not experiencing these games the way they are supposed to be experienced. And that sometimes that means kind of uh wards and blemishes included and yep. we were just perplexed that this guy had understood the fundamentals of it on a cdi level i guess you could say or like a lesser yeah. level and also yeah. from that extract the potential and make them really playable because once once you play them with proper controls uh better hit detection and things like that the games are very much akin to something like monster world or wonder mm -hmm. boy like that kind of adventure game and you kind of immediately see oh that's what we're trying to do oh okay like that's not that bad it's like and, and the only thing that prevented that was that they didn't have any hardware to help them yeah, make the, right. game. the only thing that prevented that was the console they made it for yeah uh, <laughs> so too bad it's an exclusive so yeah. it's like we yeah we were very impressed uh, buy it and I, I think if i recall correctly i reached out to you Seth, and just to kind of give you some praise for it and turned out you were a big fan of ours um mm -hmm. and already very familiar with our content and which is kind of like hey uh thanks so much for reaching out um hope you like my next game it's like next game you say <laughs> yeah tell me more <laughs> about this next game and yeah that's when you kind of laid it on me just kind of mm -hmm. like you wanted to do something moving on from your remasters right and their improved method of play mm -hmm. you wanted to see how far you could take that exactly. on the original ip and mm -hmm. i found this really interesting because there is a lot of potential in those original cdi zelda games no matter mm -hmm. you know people will have watched youtube and they will have sometimes played in free emulation and just been like ah there's there was no potential they're just bad games but it's like no 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 if you look beyond those first impressions, hand-painted backgrounds, that was very unlike anything you had seen. And what that means is, rather than being tile-based, a repeating square that formulates a background, you know, a hand-painted background means every step is unique. No matter where you walk in the game, it's something different. In 1992, no one was doing this. Right. Um, the All music. that performance work too, right? Like yeah. There wasn't a lot of that stuff back then either. Nope. No. Voice acting and animation um, and just atmosphere and music was another huge thing. Right. So, and it was Seth's first game. And luckily for Seth, 
I'm an expert at producing bad games. So I was like, you know, <laughs> would you? As I, said, I was working. Uh, <laughs> I was working for another developer at the time, and I was like, I would be willing to help you out here. Do you want me to like join you on this? And he was like, Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of when we formed the beginnings of our team, which was like, mm -hmm. is it three years ago now? Three, uh, it's almost three years ago. Yep. Yeah, three yeah. years ago. So is RZ done? Is it finished? Pretty much. Very close. Uh, yeah, yeah, very almost. close. Uh, yeah, we're very cool. polishing and optimizing right now. Uh, I think there's some frames of animation still waiting to come in. Because um, we are doing the animations similarly to mm -hmm. how the old ones are. So they are uh, basically hand-drawn uh, bitmaps, frame by frame. Yeah. Yeah, and the backgrounds uh, are also all hand painted, like just like those painted. original games, all yep. so, original paintings. Yeah. Are you in touch with the previous creators of the Zelda games? Did, uh, I know that you have some of the voice performers, you have some of the actors in in this new game from yeah. the CDI Zelda mm -hmm. games. Yep. But did you actually reach out to any of the animators or the, any of the developers, or are they in this web of people that are helping <laughs> to put all this together? So what we did, I was able to reach out to Rob Dunleavy, uh, one of yep. the original background artists on the game. Okay, and, cool. Uh, and he's actually doing some art for the game. Uh, That's great. Map and a few levels, yeah. But uh, I did try to reach out to as many people as I could. But as you might imagine, uh, <laughs> thirty years ago is a, is a long time for a, a project that they may or may not have the fondest memories of. Uh, right. Yeah. So, uh, some some resumes may have had erasers over some of these stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of white most... markings on some <laughs> yeah. of those papers. Uh, and also, you know, this is something that came up early in our discussions, starting to mm -hmm. develop it was kind of how much of legacy do we want to include right. here? Yeah. Uh, and I was very adamant because I worked on a couple other projects that were based on previous properties and then bringing back previous talent is really exciting, but also brings with it kind of, you know, as Steph mentioned, it's been 30 years ago, 25 years mm -hmm. ago. Mm -hmm. uh, it takes a long time sometimes for people to get back into the spirit of what they were doing. Sometimes it's just kind of lost. Uh, yep. And also... Uh, not the hinders, but it sometimes creatively can become, you know, you want to be respectful. And when you have too many legacy people involved yeah. who had, they had the creative idea 30 years ago, it's kind of like, well, I don't want to step on their toes and say like, well, we're doing it this way now. Yeah. Um, so we want there's to an element of reinterpretation, right? Absolutely. Like you aren't just you're right. not just making it again. You're reinterpreting yeah. it for yeah. modern players and finding yeah. value for them today. And yeah. we want to do our own thing as well, too. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I never wanted to just make like a copy. I wanted, like Audie said, I wanted to sort of lean into what those original games were doing, but then sort of like take it to its most logical conclusion yeah. and make yeah. it as best as it could be without having to, like you said, worry about having to be within sort of artificial constraints. Like yeah. So how far along were you with the game kind of working by yourself and with your friends before Limited Run came in? And and tell tell me how that relationship, what what, what did that mean for you? Was that a, a bigger budget? Was that, that more assets that you could I mean, employ? What, what changed? 
the game wouldn't be the dream CDI special spiritual successor that it is without their help. I'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a funny uh, story to all that. Yeah, no, it is. It is a really funny story. Uh, I'll tell a little bit of it. So for a long time, um, I had a made a vertical slice that was really ugly. Uh, it didn't really, it, it was using like temporary graphics and then it's like uh, squiggles and like, yeah, black yeah. and white. Uh, paper right. scans of the it, background it gets the point the across if you microsoft paint version yeah yes exactly yeah, okay. so Modeler version so yeah. adi eventually just was just fed up and was like you know what how about you just take some of my money and make something that's <laughs> yeah. worthwhile thank you for mentioning that seth i'll write of that course, down it's but every interview this has come every up. single time <laughs> so uh yeah you're gonna expense <laughs> this adi <laughs> uh <laughs> josh we yeah. gotta talk <laughs> I need a higher percentage on this. Uh, yeah. No, so why? I, yeah, because uh, I was working for a different developer, and mm -hmm. it, that was not a game that necessarily fit that developer. It was a Japanese developer, or mostly a Japanese company uh, publishing mm -hmm. in the uh, in the West. And um, we had pitched it to them. Obviously, you know, I tried to do as much conflict of interest in my life as I can. So yes. I brought back yeah. to my company. Yeah, your like, media and a producer and your yeah, making yeah. games. Yeah, it's good. Just cross all the lines, buddy. Yeah, you gotta do it. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, Seth had made a vertical slice to kind of get the idea across. And for us, the idea was very apparent, but for other people, it was a CDI Zelda game, yeah. uh, which uh, somehow was a very difficult pitch. So Somehow, as we yeah. discovered, I didn't I didn't anticipate this. It was a bigger problem than I thought. Uh, <laughs> so when uh, it had gone a while, we had pitched it around a little bit, uh, and I kind of identified that that first impression just ain't that good, Seth. Right, uh, right. You know, it's just you you have like this really unfinished, unpolished game and then you say it's based on a cti game it's like we're, we're going into double negative here right uh, yeah. and so i took wishing for disaster <laughs> you know set us you know gotta make this hard for me as possible and <laughs> i yeah at the time i had left that developer that we had been it's been it's been like six months a year of kind of just like prototyping mm -hmm. and i was like you know i have the severance I could spend it on my wife and have a great time, but do you want nah. it? And mm. you were, you know, I'll give you this. Yeah. <laughs> but I told Steph, you know, straight up, it's like, I believe in this project. Even if I can't be involved with it anymore, I want to, like, I'll give you this amount. Uh, it will pay for the assets you need, the animation you need, and you'll have a demo. And that's all I want. It's just, I just want to see the game succeed. And uh, Seth immediately got the right people involved, got the assets made, and uh, I was hired by Limited Run. And uh, on my very first day at the office at Limited Run, I told Seth prior to arriving, I was like, I think my goodwill at Limited Run is going to run out real fast when they discover <laughs> who I am. Why don't you come down on day one, come down on my very first day and pitch the game. And because at the very least, on my first day, I, I think I'll be able to not screw up. So Seth came down to Limited Run's offices on that first day. I was there. Um, I'd been you there for like, there. yeah, I was there. Like I'd been there for two and a half hours, uh, <laughs> hiding in the bathroom, uh, and I came out, <laughs> and we were ready. You know, it's like we went into Josh's office, 
and it didn't take long. Uh, no. You know, you show that demo, he saw the animations, like, are you making a new CDI <laughs> Zelda game? And you were like, yes. Absolutely. I could see in your eyes, you were like, oh, we're going into this again. And Josh, well, Josh is like, like yeah. into it. Yes. Josh loved it. And he was like, yeah, yeah we got to do this. Like, yeah, That's you don't need great. to show me anything here. Like, I'll do this. And then remember, <laughs> you know, he was asking Seth, like, what's what's the budget here? Like, where are you getting your funding from? And uh, you mentioned, like, at the time you had a different job, a day job, Seth. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I you were a mortgage? Uh, yeah. For almost yeah. 10 years, I was a mortgage. Yeah. So you were like, oh, I have some savings, yep. you know, I, you know, I have my paychecks. I'm kind of like, and Josh just like, why don't we just fund it? You know, this <laughs> looks like something that Limited Run would love to be associated with. And yeah, they gave you, you know, a great budget to fill your dream. So that's great, man. So uh, they, did they reimburse all the money that you'd put in or I mean, it's no. getting pretty into the weeds here, but <laughs> no, <laughs> no. So my, my divorce proceedings are still ongoing. Yeah, they're uh, <laughs> yeah. still working through those. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I have Seth. That's uh, right. Oh, always. Well, Jesus, talk about like finding the right two guys to do this. That's amazing. Honestly, yes. It, it really does. Sometimes it feels like uh, the, the world the brought you together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so cool, Crazy. man. Okay. So, but Arzet isn't just a sequel. It's not a CDI game. No. It no. is a modern no. game that takes mm -hmm. inspiration. And I see John Linneman is involved from Digital Foundry as well. He's a yeah. level designer, which is so cool. And and like, how do you describe this game for people that may not have the exact same fondness for the CDI as you two <laughs> might, might have? Uh, I mean, it's a hand-painted action platformer with uh, charming cutscenes. Like there's, uh, so I had my first public demo at PAX a few weeks ago. Cool. And if you, if you can believe it, a lot of people who went by were like, I have, what is this? Like, they have no idea what the CDI is, right? Yeah. So even they would sit That's down most people. That's most people. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a, a we're going to change that one day. Right. <laughs> yeah. We'll change it. Anyway, they sat down with it and they really liked it, which yeah. made me feel a lot better. And they kind of, they understood what I was going for without having to have that context. But if you have that context, it just makes it even better. Yeah. That's yeah, great, man. Hey, go ahead, Audie. Like, yeah, like we mentioned earlier, it's like when you take all of those elements that they use, the hand-painted backgrounds and the adventure, like the slightly non-linear adventure setting, right. um, the combat, mm -hmm. it turns into something akin to like Monster Boy recently. Yep. Um, it kind of like a 2D side-scrolling adventure game. That's with, great. But with... You know, the thing about the Zelda CDI games was that, like, all the characters had very individual, distinct characteristics and personalities. Mm -hmm. So we were able to inject this a lot more than some other games could. And I think when, even if you don't have that context of the CDI, you do have context of what this kind of, like, traditional sprawling to the adventure gaming is. Right. And that's kind of where we wanted to go with this, was to take those elements that people recognize for the CDI, but contextualize them into a mm -hmm. modern 2D gaming setting. And uh, to Seth's credit, I think he absolutely nailed that aspect of it. That's so cool. And, and I think, guys, like from an outsider's perspective, too, it's so 
unique to see this kind of bespoke, hand-drawn, <laughs> handcrafted, mm-hmm. not perfect look to things, you know? Yeah. Like everything is yeah. so polished to a T in, in modern gaming. And, and it's great to see the rougher edges and to see the the, the individualism that, that is yeah. being applied to the development here. And I think people are re- gonna respond to that in a big way. We got real lucky that like AI would turn into such a controversial thing recently <laughs> yeah, because for in this sure. game we have like uh, someone human made like yeah it's you a, see very much is an artist. Like, sometimes I looked at some of those like mistakes I guess I mean it's just interpretations it's artistic creativity uh, yeah. and I love that stuff but sometimes it's like man that like this part looks a bit off and now I'm like keep it yeah because that just yeah. means like someone yeah, did, guys- did that. Did you see the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem movie? Yes. Oh, I did. I yeah, that yeah. Movie. yeah. It, it was cool. I mean, and and part of it is just how broken stuff looks yeah, and, and misshapen and weird. And it was like, wow, yes, yeah. go for it. You know, yeah. I think I think uh, the games industry needs like a human made stamp that they can put on games. <laughs> I think games need to be made by humans. <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, yeah RZ is very much an artist-driven game. Like I said, oh, yeah. I, I like my um, in college, I, I went for like art, basically uh, a BA in art. But cool, uh, I'm so sorry. So, so, yeah, no, exactly. Good, uh, good jobs with that. <laughs> yeah, it, it went very well. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, and a lot of the people they're working on RZ are they're artists, right? So mm-hmm. like, and it was important to me that I'm I'm glad people have been able to latch onto that. Like, you know. We're going express yourself, like really, like put a you know. I'm not going to be like this. Needs to be this, 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 this. Like I, I want to yeah. make sure that there's a lot of artistic freedom being given within that kind of framework. And I think people can tell. I think I think they when they play it, when they see the scenes, they're like, okay, like this this has personality, and that was really important for me. So I'm really love happy it. that's showing through. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the response because you guys have pre-orders for this already or it, can people purchase the game already or where is Not it set yet. up right now? Not yet. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we 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 announced it at LRG3 this summer, uh, which is yep. LRG's like E3 show. Yep. And the response for it was incredible. I mean, having worked with Seth uh, at that point, like two and a half years on it. Um, Congratulations, you guys. Yeah, it, it was. That's uh, that's wonderful. It was you, overwhelming. You know, yeah. it's like you think about it all the time. Like, okay, it's got to be announced one day, and you kind of have a have an image in your mind for it. And having worked on a lot of games, I always have a slightly reserved expectation, uh, yep. especially for indie games today. It's like I think the response will be great. I think it will be positive, but I don't think it's gonna like you know spread. Uh, I think it's going to be very much within the community, and that's great. Yeah. You know, that's what yeah. we're targeting. Especially this year. Jesus Christ. Yeah. This like, how does anybody all... make any noise right. anywhere? You know, how do and, like huge games at like three months later or three weeks later, half the team yeah. is laid off? Like, what the hell is happening? It's yeah, crazy. That, that was what was so funny about this was that, you know, there's an original IP, brand new. A 2D mm-hmm. adventure game, and we were breaking records, and like it was seen by you know millions of people. That's uh, awesome. And, you know, within days, it was like a hundred thousand unique views on YouTube across every 
statistics we had was like in the millions and um, i have a good friend who works higher up at bethesda and i was at gamescom recently and he was like yeah it sure feels good when your cdi zelda game thingy made more of a splash than starfield at the time <laughs> i love that and i was like yeah you know which means we're doing it right next bethesda game cdi uh so and as we gone, you know, but that's first impressions. I was, I think for Seth was completely overwhelming, but I was just like yeah. floored. <laughs> People were doing fan arts immediately. They were doing YouTube cuts. Uh, it would, mm -hmm. it just like exploded. And then the thought is like, well, can we maintain this momentum? Right. And lo and behold, it's been growing steadily. Even like right now we're getting more traction than we did when it was, you know, announced. And people are like at PAX, people were coming over to play it all the time. And they were. Uh, we get inquiries about it all the time. It's just, mm -hmm. it's become one of Limited Run's kind of more popular titles within months. Uh, and, you know, we have an eight year history now. And That's it's great. not on sale yet. Uh, it's coming on sale. Is it, uh, it going to be this year or is, is it going to uh, be in 2024? What are you guys thinking right now? We don't know yet. Uh, yeah. It kind of depends a little bit on a lot of other things, but the game mm -hmm. itself. Uh, just yeah. about kind of uh, buying patterns and whatnot, purchasing patterns. So, um, but it will be very soon. It won't be a long wait, regardless. Uh, yeah. 2023 is almost over. So, yeah. regardless of where I, it lands. I, I would suggest waiting. You know, <laughs> right, let me write this I, down. I, yeah, like, I would yes. says, wait. <laughs> I, I, I'll send that to I, my boss. I think it's just you can so see me on that one. I'll, I'll, I'll see it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it, it, I don't know. I mean, it's so unique. It's going to make noise no matter when it comes out. Yeah, but uh, it's so. just such a crowded well, so. time. You know, just it yeah. really is. Is there going to be a CDI version of RZ? <laughs> no. uh, let me shoot this down immediately. So that would be really funny. Yeah, mm -hmm. but that would also mean that like we'd have to spend years optimizing this down to something that the CDI could run. Yeah, um, and homebrew on CDI in general, finding development libraries for it is very difficult. Um, yeah, and Philips themselves, I don't think, have really maintained much of the history of the CDI. I don't think their archives have much in the ways of documentation. So yep. even if we would go official and become an official of CDI as developer, <laughs> uh, I just copies don't you think that'll sell. How many, how many copies do you think? How like many 10? friends do you have? Like 300? Uh, you be mentioning all these yeah. friends. A hundred. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, that's no. I mean, <laughs> that is something that Limited Run does a lot though. We do develop for- It's in the name. Yeah, I mean, and we have put out new Mega Drive games and things like yeah. this. So it's not out of the realm of possibility of doing. You a need to find like a platform. twenty year old Seth Fulkerson who <laughs> wants to demake your CDI reverence reverence game and make it playable on the CDI. We just need a time machine at this point. Just go back <laughs> yeah. to that era. It's like forget that Zelda thing, man. Our sets a new business. <laughs> Who <Yeah>. are you? <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. How do you well, get here? 
Let's talk uh, a little bit about this uh, the the limited run philosophy and uh, Adi. Despite your reservations or, or or your you know projections of you not being appreciated over there, I couldn't think of a better fit for your personality <laughs> and your love of of classic game history and software then working at limited run you guys brought out trip world or is that out already i i, yeah, I don't know did, so did it come trip out world, yeah. yes trip world is coming out digitally very soon uh yep. pre-orders for it went up a few months ago i yep. mean uh absolutely limited run has been the best job i've ever had in the industry and i worked in the industry since 2001 believe it or not yeah uh, started as an intern at funcom and amazing uh it's just a company that very much bases itself around making dreams reality that yep. means for both consumers as well as us at the team and uh, we mentioned a few times but like josh is just a really generous human being uh yep. he really shouldn't be a boss of a company because <laughs> he's just too nice and i'm not well used he, to he should be the boss of this company it feels yeah, like thank god he is. right yeah um because yeah. yeah it's just a joy to come to work every day and um i can't speak for how they look at me uh but i do hope i'm a good fit for them uh, i've had a lot of fun and success so far so uh yeah uh i i can't shower them with enough praise because um it's hard you know it's being a limited fiscal print company comes with a lot of caveats especially during the pandemic things got delayed it came hard to get things out in time right so i do see you know sucked. i work in the development yeah. i work in the development wing of limited run and so i do see like how production gets kind of hit with uh, a lot of negativity surrounding that but man i've never worked at a company where people worked harder at making everyone happy um, yeah, because I've I've certainly been in companies uh, in Japan as well as uh, the U.S. where the consumer was very much an afterthought, mm. and any type of criticism, any type of kind of feedback was discarded very quickly. <clears throat> uh, at limited run weekly, we sit down and talk about what, what would be cool are for people saying, uh, yeah. yeah, what would be cool for them, how we can make everyone happy. And yep. it's just, it's very uh, unlike any other company I've been with. Oh, that's amazing to hear. I haven't been to any of the physical locations. I did see the limited run booth at PAX though. Yeah. yeah. I thought it, I thought it was awesome. I thought, it, you know, there was lots of people milling around it and, and it was all this physical media and it so was, you probably uh, saw Seth then. If you yeah, I was past. there. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I was, I, I was passing by. I was hosting at uh, Nintendo Live, so I was pretty. That congrats, burnt. by the way. You did a great yeah, job. I, was, I heard. Uh, I, I had an amazing time. It was so cool. But I I couldn't believe how tired I was every day. <laughs> yeah. I only it was only a couple hours, but every day I was like just expelling all of this energy, and then I was like, because I'm you know I'm used to running around at these conventions like crazy, but it's yeah. different when you're up on stage and like oh. trying to keep your stuff together. And then I would walk around packs. I'm like, oh my god, I just I don't have time to talk or energy to talk to anybody. <laughs> right. I just, I, so I never really stopped, but I did take a look, and and uh, the limited run presence was appreciated. It looked really cool, and people looked happy, which is yeah. really damn important. And they're yeah. able to walk away with stuff, right? Which I think is super. They can buy physical games, which is yeah. uh, you know, yeah. especially nowadays with store takedowns and all this stuff, uh, yeah. it's more important than ever to preserve and enjoy. And there's a satisfaction and enjoyment of owning something that I think people are discarding very quickly yes. these days. But um, 
Let me ask you something, Adi, because this is a question that I've had, you know, because, uh, you know, I visited the Polymega offices and and, uh, I've been there, too. (laughs) Yeah. And those guys are are like like Brian Burnell, who I've interviewed a few times, like they're so passionate about exactly the same thing. And then I just got the email notification that new analog pockets are going to be available for about a yeah, second. Yeah, transparent ones. I yeah. got that too, yeah. Yeah, and it's <laughs> like, but people can't get these damn things. They can't get the hardware. And mm. it seems like the perfect marriage is limited run working with these companies <laughs> that are trying to make hardware that would play these classic pieces right. of hard software. Yeah. So uh, make that happen. <laughs> yeah, this is something that's talked about all the time. And it's just a matter of kind of like finding the right partners and them, you know, scaling production up to a company of the size of Limited Run isn't that easy. Because um, yeah. a lot of the you know, analog, fantastic products, but the Pocket is probably one of the best gaming devices ever made. Uh, yeah. It is the best way of playing handheld games, especially Game Boy. And for something like Triple World DX, uh, which you mentioned earlier, like yeah. I've been prototyping it on the pocket it's that yeah it's just there's no other way dude, dude every time i go to buy one yeah guess what it's hard <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah and you know that's not that's not i think it's important to note that like the supply chain for a lot of the parts that they use at the quality to use uh is it's difficult still the pandemic is still being felt especially in hardware right. so i think they definitely want to push these out at a faster rate i would imagine so uh but it's just it's really hard but it is something that we discuss a lot internally it's like man it would be great to have a device with all these retro cartridges that we do and uh, for old and new games um to make make it easier for people to play and that they get played back correctly because there have been devices like uh, i'm not going to mention companies yeah. but like there's been sega genesis devices where it's just like they destroy the games <laughs> yeah. so you know they're not really selling the quality that much there on either the games or the hardware uh so you have to be careful and then when you found those people you have to scale it up to several thousands if not tens of thousands yeah. and man that that that's a production line that's very hard to facilitate overnight it, it, it drives me nuts because I know just like the record store boom happened mm-hmm. and it became a very big part of the market again. Yeah. A retro video game store where you could walk in and buy new machines that play classic software. Yeah. And that software could do very well as well. But we, somebody's got to, you know. We do right? have a retail location up in North Carolina in Cary. Uh, there's yeah. a limit to run retail, uh, which please uh, do come down I, and visit us. I would love to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there you can buy pre-owned classic legacy software as well as limit to run games. Uh, it's really neat. That's awesome. But That's awesome. One of the things I always think about walking in there is, yeah, it would be cool if we had some sort of like device that right. people could come in and pick up these games, these cartridges and be like, this will play back perfectly for you on your OLED set or your TV, whatever it is, because that's, you know, there's a lot of things to take into factor here, right? It's uh, input lag and whatnot. If you just get a Super Nintendo, plug those components with a a HDMI converter, like a cheap one, uh, (laughs) it's going to look real blurry. You're going to have input lag of several seconds. Like, it's not going to feel great. It's not going to look great. Um, Yeah. So I wish there was a way for us to kind of 
yeah get that out to people properly yeah there is i mean i have the two analog and we're getting deep into the weeds here with this yeah, stuff yeah. but i love it i love it too though like i have the analog uh mega sg and the super yeah. nt and i freaking adore those things incredible. they're incredible incredible and, right? I, I, and i'm also a big fan of what polymega did too because yeah. of all the cd based yeah, li the yeah. library that I have. I don't have any CDI games, guys. I'm sorry to tell you, but I have <laughs> yet. lots, lots of every someday, other right? CD format. Someday it is my dream. Yeah. Not really, but <laughs> it will be. I'll, I'll come over to Adi's place and we'll play. That would, that oh, would be I, awesome. By all means, uh, you can sleep in the room where I got it stored. Just so you can play all night. Uh, but but I do think that people would go nuts. Like I mean. I, I mean, I when believe you look that. at, yeah, no, I think you're right too. You look at yep. perception. You know, video games have changed, and the way people look at that. I mean, we all grown older, right? And uh, people my age have several children now. Um, we want to kind of introduce our kids to the things that we grew up with. It's not dissimilar to how it was. Remember when I was growing up? Adam's Family and things like that came out in new movies, right? It was all these yeah. things from the '50s and '60s that you know my dad was like oh, i remember watching that tv you should go watch it yeah uh, and luckily they got the mc hammer to do the theme song so it's like it was cool <laughs> for me it was cool for him uh and i think video games are in that kind of zone right now where yeah. it's the perfect opportunity to kind of put something out where because it's the immediacy of retro gaming is not just niche and kind of like well old stuff i think there is an aspect of like the pick up and play and immediacy of reading the screen and understanding immediately. Like Super Mario is the perfect example of how yes, yes. looking at the first screen teaches you everything you need to know about what Mario can mm -hmm. do. And kids especially read that stuff. They're developing and they are learning in a different way that you and I are. So I yeah. think retro gaming can be so good for like hand and eye coordination and just like visually reading a screen they can still be valuable uh well, fun, fun so. doesn't dissipate you know like no, it, you know when you hear yeah. an old song yeah it, it still can t get to you emotionally even if you have heard it a billion times and you don't want to hear it and then you do hear it it's like yeah god damn it it got me again <laughs> and i think classic games can do that too i think you know fun doesn't have an expiry date and and to play some of this classic stuff it it kind of pisses me off actually that it this has been a year where it's just been so many new things that I haven't had much time to play much mm -hmm. classic stuff because no. that has been uh you know thanks to companies like Limited Run and and Polymega and Analog and lots of other companies that are <clears throat> in this <clears throat> sorry in this space it's it felt like this resurgence and this real sort of acceptance that the classic stuff is still vital and still very necessary and honestly xbox to a degree and nintendo to a degree and now playstation to a degree as well they're all offering their customers at least a little bit of their respective history yeah uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. not enough not enough no. no and you know for for my end at limited run you know we develop a lot of these compilations uh, we just released the Jurassic Park for pre-order, so it has the classic Super Nintendo and Genesis games in them. Um, and preserving those games is so important to us because there's so much, like, there's so much technology and so much. Uh, I'm forgetting the English word for things now, but yeah, there's just so much. Uh, 
incredible stuff being done on the hardware that there was for like the Super Nintendo. The Jurassic Park games have like incredible music. They have all these weird effects and the 3D stages you probably remember, right? When you went into yeah. um, these different places and it has real 3D on the Super Nintendo without the Super FX uh, where mm -hmm. you navigate the, the visitor center and all that stuff. Um, and then you have like the digitized graphics of the Sega Genesis games. And it's just like all this stuff needs pres preserved so people can enjoy them and see where we came from. Because yeah. now we have all these games releasing month to month on Unreal Engine 5 and whatnot that look incredible and have these shaders. And um, just, but I don't think people have that same understanding and enjoyment of how they got there. And a lot yes. of that is still seen, especially in the mid 90s, a lot of that technology led to what we have right now you can see if you watch a video from john lemon at df retro you see so many times that the technology from 1998 is the technology that inspired what we have right have now been. in 2023 well and so, game concepts and game design ripples back all the way through that's yeah. why roblox mm -hmm. pisses me right off you know because we're <laughs> we're getting a whole generation of kids my kid included who yeah. are playing like classic designs with really crappy graphics yeah. and it's all just ripped <laughs> off it's just like ripped that and then and they're using licensed music and licensed all stuff the time and, yeah yeah it's yeah. it's brutal John said place that too yeah John, it's, it's you know it's the community thing and and yeah, yeah. people like that creative expression and yeah i get it but uh i Oh, man, this is this conversation is going everywhere, which is great. But don't you think it's nuts that Sony built dreams and yeah. then said, yeah, no, we'll, we'll let Roblox just take it, uh. take that whole business away. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's crazy, yeah. man. Yeah. Oh, man, it's so nuts. Seth, what do you want to do now? Are you going to be a retro leaning, you know, game maker enthusiast? for your career or do you want to make a modern game using an unreal engine 5 like what do you want to do next <laughs> uh i would like to keep looking at um retro concepts like games maybe that um had like less than you know love designed and sort of like take them to their cool. next logical conclusion i think i think that's been this project especially has been so much fun for for both a design exercise and uh just everything else that goes into it and so yeah i think i want to i want to keep going in that direction and uh, awesome. i think i think it's not too dangerous to say we've definitely got some ideas for the future but wicked uh, do you have an now, atari lynx <laughs> oh i would love one anybody want to give me a lynx yeah, of course oh the link the lynx was so freaking cool those big chunky yeah. uh, pixels like uh, just the squareness of all of their game concepts i love mm -hmm. the lynx i'd love to see new games that kind of take a little bit of that inspiration yeah links never got to where it needed to be right but the way yeah. you know the way that game those games look and honestly the graphical quality picture quality at the time was unheard of it was uh, amazing this is when the game boy came out you know it's yeah. not something that came out like several years later and was like a game gear situation I mean, yeah. this was competing with, and honestly, in, in many aspects, deserved a lot more praise. Um, so, yeah, I'm also a huge proponent of kind of... Uh, Link's homebrew was pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I went to uh, Jagfest in Germany Jag a few years ago, right uh, which is the Atari Jag <laughs> Jaguar festival, um, where there's a lot of enthusiasts for Atari Lynx and Atari Jaguar there. 
And uh, yeah, they were having these stations with Link's homebrew that blew me away. I couldn't believe what they were achieving. So it's pretty active. Uh, and there's definitely viability of doing a Link's game in the future. Love it. I love it. You you guys couldn't be a better match for each other. I can't wait to play this game. Oh. I, I'm so excited to see where, you know, Limited Run is going to be taking us. I love seeing all the announcements. Uh, you know, I love seeing John pop up in the stuff. And, and uh, I don't, I don't, I've never met Modern Vintage Gamer, but I think he's so cool. And it's great to yeah. see him sort of interwoven oh, yeah. into all of this I got as well. To, I got to work with him every day. And he's an incredible yeah. person. The team I work with it's from uh, MVG, Joe Macheleski, Pete, they're all just incredible human beings, first and foremost, but also That's incredible great. talent. So it's just, I'm very spoiled in my life. Uh, that I get to work with these guys. And uh, John always pops up. He's also in Plumbers Don't Wear Ties. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Why are we doing that interview? Yeah, let, we definitely need to do that. And I'm thinking that we need to do a DF retro LRG MVG kind oh, of combo. A, yeah. I, I think, <laughs> all the acronyms. <laughs> I think you just need to come to our office and visit and just have us all there. Uh, Please. You know, yes. Do a yes. tour of our store and uh, we'll have to set something like that up. Well, yeah, John's over in Europe too, right? So, so bring he's, him. Up. Yeah, he's in Europe. Uh, I'm mostly North Carolina now, uh, but cool. I do go back. Uh, I have family in Europe, obviously, and I do always stop by John's to do projects and whatnot. Uh, but John pops in at the office here and there. He's uh, kind of close to Seth. Uh, yeah, we're good. Friends. He's from Ohio, right? Cincinnati. Yes. He's from the nasty so... natty. Uh, <laughs> so whenever so... he comes to visit, I usually say hello. So. Yeah. And it was <laughs> very natural great. for him to join our set. He's doing level mm -hmm. design. So uh, I always, you know, uh, I joined the F many years ago. And it was at a time where... Uh, I didn't think I was going to do much more in gaming for different reasons. And yeah. they picked me up and just uh, in uh, saved my life, really. So I always yeah. stay very uh, I stay very loyal to DF and John for that reason. It's so a very special thing that you guys are all building up over there. You know, just the adoration and the intelligence and the... Uh, the detail that you get into, I, I'm a huge fan, and I'm, I'm just happy to see that that is, has spilled over into actual products and actual development. Yeah. You're, it's kind it of really like a, putting your money where your mouth is, you know? Like, you guys clearly have been wearing these badges of honor and, and you know, love for the classics, and now you're making new ones, which is really freaking cool. Yeah, and not just because I work there, but that, that is one thing that Limited Run can say, which not many other companies can say, is that like these projects would not exist without the support of Limited Run. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just uh, their ability to see potential in things that other publishers or developers would just look at and be, there's no market for this. You know, for yeah. Josh, it's always like, we can make a market for this. And it's, <laughs> it's so refreshing yeah. to yeah. be back at in a video game space where someone says like we can make this into something rather than just saying there is no market for this because i'm so used to hearing that and uh i've never heard josh say you know just no there's no one would buy this he, he never says that so well i think i think lim limited run needs a uh, retail store in canada and i <laughs> <Yeah>. recommend <laughs> recommend vancouver to vancouver, be that destination yeah. Yeah. Yes. i'm not surprised that that's yeah. <laughs> the location 
uh <laughs> I, i'm sure they would love to open more locations the wine carry is real neat though um it's very yeah cool. i can't wait for you to see it sometime but uh let's it, make it happen yeah let's do it i would love it well thank you both you guys good luck with rz and uh what an thank amazing you. story this whole thing is it's uh it's you guys gotta invite me to your wedding whenever that's gonna happen it's gonna be a, <laughs> yeah. a magical day you I guys get married again <laughs> <laughs> you guys are we'll, we'll, we'll go to salt lake yeah yeah seth thank you so much and audi great you. to have you on the show and thank uh, you let's, for let's bring on Yes, yeah, let's you. reconnect and do another one for sure. Yeah, you guys are the absolutely. best. And thank you all for watching and listening. Remember to hit that subscribe button and uh, give me a thumbs up if you dig the show and the channel. And we'll see you soon. Until then, play forever.